We are on the air with the Earning the Push podcast, a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans to talk about the two things we all love the most. What is going on in the wrestling world and what we would do if we were in charge. My name is Jack Murley. I am a professional broadcaster and alongside me each and every week is the Kevin Nash to my Vinny Vegas, the hell in the cell to my Punjabi prison, professional rugby player and all round good guy, Charlie Beckett. Hello. Right, two things. All round good guy, I think we found wasn't the truth last week. Nope. Are you trying to bring me back to the babyface side? And you talk yourself down on them too much every week, but to, con- to refer to yourself as the Punjabi prison might be a step too far. I'm going to have to, one of these weeks, I'm going to have to do the intro just to try and boost your ego because I don't like what you're doing to yourself here. I find that probably one of the most fun parts of my week is doing these little introductions. And I thought, oh, we haven't seen a Punjabi prison match in ages. Thank God. Probably for the better. Yeah, absolutely for the best. Uh, how's your week been, mate? It has been stressful. It's been stressful because of Sunday. Anyone listening will know. I, I just said to you off air, I think I finally understand the perils of being an English football fan. My my dad talks about 1990 and 96, and I will be talking about for years to come, Euro 2020 that happened in 21, and we were that close. Gareth got us that close. Apart from that, it's been good, thank you. We were away on holiday, weren't we? But I'm back. I'm back in my home territories to record this week, uh, the familiar surroundings of, of Cheltenham Spa. Never thought I'd be the guy who lived in Cheltenham Spa, Jack. Not sure how that's happened in my life. Well, I, I have to say, I have to say um, that we did get a couple of messages from some of our Scottish listeners who did um, appreciate me picking you up on your use of us, we, it's coming home. So Hmm. at least we've dodged that bullet. Um, We've got a cracking show for you today. Loads to talk about. We will be fantasy booking money in the bank matches. We'll be talking about uh, pandemic MVPs. We'll be building towards money in the bank this weekend and talking about some big acquisitions for AEW. As always, this is your show. You can get in touch however you would like. At Charlie underscore Beckett is him. At Jack underscore Murley is me. Earning the Push pod podcast at hotmail.com don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your pods from and subscribe so you never miss new episodes and charlie in a change of pace let's start with aew back on the road for their road rager event hitting florida hard with the debut of one of your favorites forget alistair black forget tommy end malachi black is now all elite i woke up on thursday morning a very excited man when i saw that uh, but I was confused. I had to text you because anyone who can count will know it's not been 90 days since it's been released. But it seems, and you were the one who let me know this, it seems WWE made a little bit of a mess up there, didn't they? And it, from what we understand, they haven't changed his release clause from the 30 days in NXT to the 90 days in the main roster. So I think it was, I think none of us are surprised that he's ended up in AEW. I think that's what we all thought he would. I think we were all surprised to see him on Wednesday night because that's very, very quick. But, oh, I'm excited. Because the way they brought him in as well is excellent. My favourite wrestler ever is The Undertaker. I'm a sucker for a lights out, lights up, man in the ring, aren't I? I think that's clear. Just to decimate everyone in the ring with, I don't know if it'll be called the Black Mass. I don't know if he's allowed to call it the Black Mass, but his spinning heel kick is is my favourite current finisher in in wrestling. So to see that, it looks like they're going to treat him the way he deserves. And yes, just yes. What I think is uh, is great about this, I do have a couple of things I'll nitpick in a moment, but what I want to say firstly is the emotion of it, of that surprise, of, of not having any inkling he was going to turn up is, is fantastic. And AEW does a really good job 
of keeping things fairly under the radar. We saw it with Sting's debut. We saw it with Mark Henry coming across. Um, sure, when they teased it with Christian Cage, maybe it didn't meet expectations quite as much, but they are doing everything they can, probably for the most media-savvy company out there in terms of engaging with internet fans, to keep springing surprises on us. Yeah, and we've spoken about this before. It, it's getting rarer and rarer in the modern world that in wrestling we get a surprise. So actually, for there to be no rumours about it, for there to be no saying, oh, Blacks at A-Dubs now, or you'll be seeing a big big surprise debut tonight. There was nothing, was there? So that's really refreshing. And like you say, it's all credit to A-Dubs. That can't be easy now. That can't be easy. All it takes is one person seeing someone in the vicinity and their camera phone's out and it's all over Twitter, isn't it? So it's very impressive they do that. And yeah, what, what do you want to nitpick with it? I'm interested in what you're nitpicking on this. So, so I'll, I'll say this. Um, I think wrestling is all about emotion and it gave me a great emotional feel. I really enjoyed it. So it really is nitpicking. If I was bringing in a big name from WWE in front of a live crowd for the first time, I'm not sure I would necessarily have had him attack a fan favorite like Arn Anderson. And I'm not sure I'd have had him necessarily attack a fan favorite like Cody because your instinct when you're there is oh my goodness, Malachi Black is here, but hold on, he's attacking a legend like Arn, and we like Cody, so is Malachi a bad guy or a good guy? I I just thought it was an odd place to to debut him. Now, now if he's going into a feud with Cody, it makes sense if he's going to go into that heel role, but to get that babyface pop laying out Arn Anderson, who is as close to a legend that, that AEW has. Just, I, I didn't quite get it. It didn't spoil it for me, but I didn't quite understand that. To be a stereotypical heel is never going to be Black's persona, whatever he does, because he's not, he doesn't strike me as the kind of character who's going to be sulking and kicking off in that sort of sense. I think he's just, he was at his, he's at his best when he's passive of emotion and just a ruthless killer and doesn't really care who he's after. That, that's my favourite iteration of Alistair Malachi Black. In, in that NXT run where he got the title, where he was just decimating anyone in front of him, not caring whether they were babyface heel, he was all business. Now, if you look at it from that sort of sense, if you're all business and want to make a name for yourself in AEW, let, let, let's say that's his motivation. We don't know what his motivation is, but let's say that is. Who else do you go after? You take out the top dog, who is Cody. I know he's not the champ, but Cody is the face of that company. And you take out anyone associated with him. Now, it's probably good Brandy wasn't in the ring because she might have eaten one as well. Do you know what I mean? So I, I liked it. It's something different. Also, it gets attention, doesn't it? Laying out Arn, the first thing you do is lay out Arn Anderson. It's clear you're not there to mess about. And I think he has to go into a feud with Cody now because Cody can't have his mentor, almost a father figure next to his dad in Arn Anderson laid out. And not now seek vengeance. He can't but did you not happen. think that as well? Where, where, look, we're good mates. If someone laid you out in front of me, I don't think I would slide into a ring and sort of sidestep around your fallen body. Didn't shouldn't Cody have absolutely, the moment he saw Malachi Black drop Arn Anderson, should he not have tried to leather him? There was this weird moment where he slid in and they sort of, like that Spider-Man meme where they're just looking at each other. And I get why, but just those little storytelling nuances just made me, you know, it, it was a 9.5 for me when it could have been a 10. And yes, that's nitpicking. I get that. It was a bit strange. It's like, could it either go to Arn or go at Black? Don't just like stand in the middle and look at them both. I get that. But I think I'm just excited, maybe. I'm definitely a rose-tinted glasses. One of my favourites is back in wrestling. He's in a company that I think 
will treat him properly. You just look at some of the potential feuds you've got there. With if they get the character right with him, the wrestling will take care of itself with with the the talent on that roster. Like you fire out five or six names straight away of people you want him to wrestle: Cody, Omega, Moxley, Page. Just these people that you these are dream dream feuds, aren't they? And the story's there, so. I probably was excited for that. That actually, until you said that, then I hadn't even thought about the weirdness of Cody coming to the ring like that. It it was a bit strange, uh, but I'm just really, really excited. The most excited I've been about the potential for a new like chapter one's career for a long time, and it is what's going to get me over to watching a lot more of AEW because I I need to see what's happening with him. I can't I can't not know what's happening with Malachi Black, and then if I'm watching that, I may as well find out what's going on the rest of the show because. You look at how they're building that pop for Hangman Page coming down to face down Omega. I'm sure you want to talk about that, but that was something special. So I think they're building well. And I think you see how well they've done getting Adam Page over with that pop. And I just, yeah, AW's in a good place, I think, going forward. They've acquired, acquired smartly. And yeah, I think it's going to be exciting to see what they're doing in the next couple of months back in front of fans. Yeah, I, I don't know what's wrong with me this morning. I am nitpicky. I am in a finickety and pernickety this morning. And as you say, you you could look at any of those shows they've got coming up and say, yeah, we could put Omega versus Page as a main event, or we could put MJF versus Jericho, or we could have the first ever face-off and meeting between Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes. Uh, I don't think it was an accident that Cody Rhodes was wearing an all-white suit, by the way, and that Malachi Black was in all all black. Cody's big on that symbolism, so that will be uh, a hell of a face-off when it eventually does happen. Um, surprises of a different kind coming our way this week as well. We send our thoughts not only to the family of Paul Orndorff, who sadly passed away, but also to Bailey, who will be out of action for nine months after sustaining uh, a knee injury, a horrible horrible occurrence for her we wish her well but man we'll talk about pandemic mvps a little later for her to go down to an injury in seemingly in a fairly innocuous way training at the performance center well it's just heartbreaking ah uh, sports cruel isn't it it's it's just beyond cruel and there if there's someone who's done the night we've got our mvps later she's very much in the in the conversation with wwe's um pandemic mvp her whole title array and this whole ding dong persona and she's been she's been at the top of the game and then you imagine they do it part of the shine light of the last 15 16 months has been getting back in front of fans seeing the fans that pop that all that and then to have it ripped away like this it's beyond cruel but you saw what a pro she was with within 24 hours she's on twitter she's on smackdown giving it straight into a hill persona again there's no sitting around what was he there was no even the person, not the character, being like, I'm gutted. Or it was just in character the whole time. Basically, you don't deserve me. I've done all this work, and this has happened because you don't deserve me. And I was like, you know what? That's testament to the professional she is, because she must be absolutely gutted. But to switch straight back into professional mode, it shows what a star she's outside the ring as well as in it. And, and it got me thinking about how my assumption would be she would disappear for nine months and we would get that equivalent of Triple H coming back to the garden in 2002, that she would come back as a monster baby face. And then I saw what you were talking about there and I remembered her on the Broken Skull sessions with Steve Austin, which I maintain is one of the best things going in wrestling at the moment, and her talking about how she just felt stale as a baby face. And she's clearly leaning into this heel persona. She wants to keep that running and you, you have to respect that. Yeah, I think you hear a lot of wrestlers talk, don't you, as well, and especially the particularly clean-cut babyface, which was Bailey was. Bailey was your stereotypical 1980s wrestling clean-cut babyface completely. 
it sounds like they have a shelf life and very much a ceiling. And it sounds like a lot of wrestlers get bored doing that a little bit. You listen to any of them talk, they all prefer being heel. It seems so much more fun. And it has sort of reignited the fire under her career, hasn't it? Of she was she was floundering, Bailey. And I, I remember when they started turning heel, and I was really worried because I couldn't picture her being anything but clean-cut babyface Bailey. But she proved me very, very wrong, unsurprisingly. She's been excellent. And yeah, I think it would be very easy for her to disappear and come back to that baby face, but it seems that's not what she wants to do. But also, if you can keep her on telly for the next nine months or whatever, or now and again coming in, she's a huge asset because she's actually a brilliant talker and that's been a huge part of this heel persona. So if she's happy to do it, she wants to, you'd be silly not to keep her on telly and in finding some sort of way to keep her, keep her in the loop and keep her on our screens. The idea that the Bailey I saw against Nia Jax at NXT TakeOver London, where she was the most over babyface on that roster at that time, could ever turn heel and do it so effectively. It's a bit like Sami Zayn. If you'd, if you'd have said to someone four years ago, Zayn and Bailey are going to be two of the biggest heels in WWE, you'd have thought they were smoking something. It would have made no sense at all, but they've rejuvenated their careers by turning. Um, and we certainly wish uh, Bailey well. And speaking of NXT, it continues to deliver. Great American Bash, Cole and O'Reilly. How long can they be this good, Charlie, without getting the call up to the main roster? Because they keep delivering. You said last week, we obviously record this on Tuesday, so before NXT, always, you said last week, if you want to watch some good wrestling, go and watch the Great American Bash this week. I'm not sure anything truer was said last week. It was just a really, really good show, wasn't it? Again, like like you said, they'd live on, and O'Reilly and Cole are just they I love them together in Dispute Era, but they're best of friends, best of enemies, aren't they? They just deliver again and again and again. And I actually think everyone knows Adam Cole's a superstar. There is no denying that. He's one of the best in the world. We knew that when he got to NXT, he's just solidified that reputation in NXT. I actually think Kyle O'Reilly for a long time is one of the best kept secrets in wrestling because he's just been he's been that that other guy in the Undisputed Era, hasn't he? He's been he's in one half of the tag team in Undisputed Era. Him and Bobby Fish always been O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. And now you're starting to see that actually that he's he's ready to be a huge star himself, I think, Kyle O'Reilly. I think they've got to be careful not keep them together for too long. I think I reckon you'll see Cole come up. I reckon that you leave O'Reilly in NXT and let him have a singles run properly there himself, because otherwise, as much as he's now not teaming with the other street theory, he's still that guy who's always with Adam Cole, if you know what I mean. So you need to have Kyle O'Reilly as Kyle O'Reilly, but yeah, they're, they're just brilliant, aren't they? And I just, I hate this, but I almost don't want to see him call up because I just worry because so many superstars come out of NXT, especially one my, some of my favourites come out of NXT just do nothing on the main roster just nothing and it's heartbreaking and you see him leave the likes of Black Andrade these people so I hope they get it right I think they will with Cole he's too big a star he's too big he's he's not like a rookie out of NXT getting called up there's not going to be anyone who needs explaining who he is is there he's he's completely different but yeah they just they just deliver and deliver and deliver those two Someone was saying to me, uh, I think it was Andrew, one of our fancy booking correspondents, was saying to me fairly recently, we need to distinguish between call-ups from NXT who do well and ones who don't, because Roman Reigns was a call-up from NXT, and he is rocking the industry and, and flipping it on its head. And he was saying, you need more nuance, and you've got to look at the call-ups from NXT who are Vince creations and the call-ups from NXT who came to NXT because they were created somewhere else. And I thought, Do you know what? There's more than a grain of truth to that because Shinsuke Nakamura 
was not a Vince creation in NXT, but Roman Reigns was. Sami Zayn, this version of Sami Zayn, is sort of a Vince WWE creation. And I thought that that's an interesting take on it. And you could almost do a list on either side and say, yeah, you either fit into one box or the other. That's it, because you don't even consider the likes of on that um, Seth Rollins, Big E. You don't think of these people as NXT call-ups because they've been no. around for so long and they were they weren't in NXT as it became its own brand almost. They were at the very, very start when two of the first NXT champions. So it's a really good point. It's not something I've thought of before either, but it, it is the quote-unquote indie darlings who come in, who then have a really good run in NXT, who get called up. He almost, I don't know whether Vince is no interest in him, he doesn't know what to do with them, but when they're not his creations, he does seem to struggle. Like, come on, how can you struggle with Shinsuke Nakamura? How can you struggle to book him in a wrestling company? The man is is gold. Look at what he does in Japan. Look what he did in NXT. Same with Black. Same with Andrade. How would you struggle with these guys? But they do. So that's a really good point, Mandarin. Again, showing why he's better better at this than both of us. <laughs> well, we will hear some fantasy booking going on a bit later. I'll do my fantasy booking for Money in the Bank and what I would do this week. Charlie and others coming up next week. Remember, we could pick men's match, uh, women's match, any competitors from any era who wins and who goes on, uh, who they go on to challenge. And that's coming up after the break. Uh, we should really talk a bit about Money in the Bank now, Charlie, because as we keep saying, it's coming up. Fans back in Texas this Sunday. For me, you've got three names from the men's side of things who I wouldn't be surprised at all to see win. But the women's side is, is much more open, and I quite like that. Women's side is very open. Obviously, Bailey dropped out. Carmella took her place. No, yeah, Carmella took her place in the title match, and Natalia's taken her place in the ladder match, I think Sonia Deville announced last night. Yeah. I keep seeing that there are rooms of people wanting it to be that so they want Sonia to just book herself into the Money in the Bank match, which I'd see because I don't know why she's not wrestling. She's really good in this GM sort of role, but she's a brilliant wrestler, Sonia Deville. I want to see more of her wrestling. But no, it's completely wide open, the women's match. Like, I, If you ask me to pick a winner, I'd really struggle. Really struggle. What about you? Yeah, I, I would as well. I mean, maybe Alexa Bliss, I can see, because she gets so much TV time, and I think they're really invested in her persona. Beyond that, it, it is anyone's. From, from the men's side of, of, of the bracket, as it were, you look at Drew McIntyre and the way he's talking and 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 you would have to think that perhaps he's going to be someone who's, who's going to um, pull down the briefcase when all is said and done. But you've had teasers for other folk as well. Maybe Seth Rollins, I could see getting getting it. Um, I, I mean, again, that's a bit of a, a pick your favorite. The only one I can say with any certainty is there's no scenario that I can fathom where Edge is taking the title off Roman Reigns. None none whatsoever. They can try to build it as much as they want. No one is buying an Edge victory. They're not, and especially when we got the tease of Edge Seth and they leaned into the history, which I was so pleased they did. Because, yeah, Seth Rollins in 2015 tried to kill Edge. He threatened to kill him. That's not something you forget. You don't forget that. So I was glad they leaned into that. That's, I think we're going Edge Seth for SummerSlam, aren't we? So I'd be surprised to see Seth win the briefcase as well. I think he's good. You, know, you could win the briefcase and still go into that feud, very much so. But You could uh, win the briefcase and have Edge beat Roman. I mean, if you really want to book it badly. Yeah, I, if you yeah, really want that. to book it badly. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> no, so I was glad. If, if they had an Edge Seth feud and no one mentioned him trying to murder him, I would have been like, lads, what, what are we doing here? So I'm glad to lean into that. Back down again. You've got the, the you so that that big hug with Roman warms your heart, warms the cockles of your heart, doesn't it? So you really want to be an Uso, don't you? I can see this each and every. No, you want to be part I, of Roman's group, no? I want to be Roman Reigns. I don't want to be an Uso. 
I want to be the chief. Um, but You're hearing that, Roman, be aware. Yes, yes, exactly. But I just have to bring up the big news of the week before we move on is that Brock Lesnar has a ponytail. Yeah. I, Brock Lesnar has a ponytail. I'm scared to even talk about this because this photo emerged from Brock Lesnar in, I can only assume, an abattoir surrounded by carcasses of I don't even know what they were before he got their hands on it, but he does seem to have a man bun. It's amazing. What? Oh, I just, I don't know if I'm going soft or what, but I'm just, I'm enjoying Brock Lesnar more and more in my life as I get older. Having hated him years ago, I'm just like... He just doesn't care, does he, about anything apart from what makes him happy. And I've got a lot of time for that. I think Brock Lesnar could have come out with a Sideshow Bob-style perm. And everyone said, looks great. Looks great, Brock. Oh, yeah, God, you're not going to tell him anything, are you? You're not going to say, <laughs> oh, no, Brock, not sure about that. <laughs> Can you imagine Vince backstage going, Brock, Brock what's what's that? No, it's great. Looks, looks yeah. yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, no, I've always liked you, the perm, Brock. Look at that. Um, I mean, it is unbelievable to see him like that. But even with a ponytail, he still looks like a Viking killer. Yeah, absolutely. He does. I was about to say that. He looks very Viking-like. I don't know how long till we see him again. It's been a while since we've seen him, isn't it? And I don't think he'd do it. Now we're back to crowds. I think by, by Mania, we'll see Brock again. I tell you what, before we go to fantasy booking after the break, do you want to do our pandemic MVPs now? Shall we get into yeah. this? Yeah. So this this is when we were talking last week, as we are coming out of the no crowds era of wrestling with Impact Wrestling and WWE having crowds in the very, very near future. In fact, by the time you're listening to this, you may well have seen shows by both companies with crowds, AEW already there. We wanted to pay some love to the folk who took wrestling through an era no one had lived through before. No crowds, no one in the arena, no touring. And there have been some big names, Charlie. I got a few, but who are going to be your ones? So first of all, I want to say huge credit to every single one of every single performer because this can't yep. this is nothing you've ever trained for. This is beyond tough. So I think everyone's been incredible. And the fact that and the companies as well, they've kept it safe. There's been no huge outbreaks in either company. It's been not not a single show has been cancelled. There has no. been SmackDown, Raw, Dynamite, and pay-per-views when they should be the whole way through. And that to everyone I've seen behind the scenes in sports teams in rugby, how hard it is to keep it going. So to do it. With even more people, incredibly impressive. So first of all, you've got to take your hat off to them for that. But um, on the WWE main roster, I've actually chosen three because okay. I couldn't, the three of them I couldn't say they weren't. And it's Drew, because I think, especially at the early start, the empty arena, the empty arena's pre-Thunderdome, he was unbelievable. And it's almost cruel that his first WWE title reign happened like that. Roman in the second half of it has just he's been a game changer in wrestling. The Thunderdome era has been Roman's. Uh, and then Bailey, I think, on the women's side of things, has absolutely been the best, the best thing in WWE's women's roster through the pandemic. And as we spoke about earlier, so cruel. In AEW, it's been MJF. I think. I yeah. just think he's grown into. He was a li- He was there, wasn't he, before the pandemic? And now he is there. If that makes sense, he is at the very top of that company. So MJF, uh, NXT. I've gone for Cole because you look at what he's done. He started it as champion. It seems years ago he was NXT champ now, but he started as champ. He then went, went into his food with Pat McAfee, which had no right to be any good, especially the match, and was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. Fair play. Pat played his part in that as well, on the mic and in the ring. He then had the Undisputed Era breakup, which kept me interested for a long, long time. And then obviously still going is his feud with Kyle O'Reilly. So throughout the whole pretty much 16 months, he's been in the main event scene in one way or another. And then actually a little bit of love 
for NXT UK, which I don't watch enough of, but any time I've seen Walter wrestle in the last 16 months, any time I've seen him wrestle, he's been, you can't take your eyes off it. And including when he's come and wrestled Champa, but you look at his matches with Dragunov, Champa, these matches, he's just, yeah, he's just, he's my, he's a bit of me. He's a, my cup of tea is Walter. So a bit of love for him. Where would Walter play? You get your pen while you pick your pen back up. If Walter was um, if Walter was drafted in to be one of your teammates for the coming season, what position would you put him in? I don't want to say Walter's unfit because he wrestles for a long, long time, but I'm not sure how good a runner the big man would be, if I'm honest. And he's he's big and strong, and he I think you'd have to I don't want to say second row because I'm not sure I'd want to lift him in a line out. So potentially I think he'd he'd be in the front row. You wouldn't be pushing him off a scrum, would you? So I'd play Walter at tight end and I'd happily push behind him. I'd get in the second row behind him and push for him. Well, that's that's praise if ever you needed it. Walter would play in that position. Um, I'm not going to disagree with any of your picks. In fact, I'm going to echo some of them. Drew has to be an MVP of the pandemic because as much as we all are looking forward to getting rid of the Thunderdome, you forget how dreary and dark it was for those two nights of WrestleMania that we had. And that's not a knock on WWE. Needs must, you're in a pandemic. But to to, to carry your company through that period, you have to say Drew McIntyre. I, I put John Moxley into that box as well because yeah. he had that huge night at Revolution. Two or three weeks after that, he's in an empty arena and AEW are taping out of um, a gym in Georgia. So I'm putting John Moxley in there. MJF as well. And Britt Baker, I'm putting in there too. Much like Bailey came into her own in the pandemic, Britt Baker elevated herself head and shoulders above anyone else in the AEW women's division. Her, her street fight with Thunder Rosa has become iconic. And, and, as much as we never want to go back to this again, I'm sure if in a year with a bit of reflection, we sat down and ticked off some of the moments that have happened in a pandemic wrestling wise, there have been some absolute crackers. As much as we've missed being there live, not us literally, but having fans in general, we have been spoiled the last 18 months. Like the two mate, the two big companies have gone, right, our job to entertain people here, we'll look after them. And some of the some of the matches, some of the stories, some have been awful, let's be honest. Raw, especially the last six months, has not been good. But some of it's been absolutely brilliant. And I just really hope, and they will, they get the, the fans in they deserve. Because, like I say, these wrestlers, this isn't something they were prepared for. They're in the big leagues now. They were not expecting to be in front of no one. So they've been exceptional. And, yeah, it's just an exciting time. Now, I was chatting something today. I'm going to get to wrestling as much as I can live yes. now. Because I was always like, oh... It's not the perfect time. I'll go next time they come. I'll go. I'm not doing that anymore because for 18 months I haven't been able to. So I'm going. I'm, go- I'm just going. I will travel anywhere in the UK. I'm going to watch wrestling. There you are. If you want a guaranteed front row fan, Charlie Beckett is your man. Ship him in. He will be there no matter the venue, no matter the uh, federation. Right. OK, don't go anywhere. Uh, we're going to be back with fantasy booking money in the bank in a moment. Remember, you can follow either of us. Get in touch. We love hearing from you at Charlie underscore Beckett at Jack underscore Merley. Earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. Don't go anywhere. Fantasy booking up next. Okay, so we're back with Charlie Beckett's choice for fantasy booking. This is your one, and the choice was uh, fancy booking money in the bank, any competitors, any era, men's and women's, and then what happens next. This was what you set down, no? 
Yeah, exactly. So this is one of my favourite games to play just in general when I... So here's, here's a little fact about me that I, don't, I haven't told you before. When I'm struggling to get to sleep in bed, which happens quite often, I can't sleep sometimes, yeah. I will just fantasy book and that lets me drift off. And a lot of the time, here we go, a lot of the time I fantasy book myself as WWE champion. And I will imagine how I would have done it, how I, the run I'd have. So a lot of the time, so a few nights ago, I was taking on Brock Lesnar. I was, I was imagining my promo against Brock. I was, I was, I was tearing strips off Brock. But this is one of my favourites. I like to think about who I'd have in my dream fantasy uh, Money in the Bank, and hopefully it wouldn't send people to sleep watching it like it does me imagining it. I have to say, Charlie, in this respect, we are peas in a pod because I do the same as well. Do you fantasy book your own finisher? Do you have a finish already set? Yes, I do. I obviously use a spear. That's like my semi-finisher. But I also use a... Uh, I, I, I don't have a name for it because I can't think of a good enough one. But I... Um, my finisher is a pop-up, sit-out, two-handed chokeslam powerbomb. It's almost like Kevin Owens' pop-up powerbomb, but like they have to like wrap... They wrap their legs around me almost, so I pop them up, and then double-hand chokeslam, sit-out, almost Batista bomb them into the canvas for one, two, three. When you go on holiday with the current Mrs. Beckett, do you practice these in swimming pools? No, I don't. Have um, you pitched it, though? Have you suggested at some point you might be able to? No, I haven't got that far. because she's, she's No, because she's not, she's not Mrs. Beckett. Um, if, she wants, if, I want, if I want it to be one day, I'm not sure I can scare her away with things like that yet. <laughs> that was, that was, okay. Um, so name it, we'll get on fancy booking in a minute. But don't you think when naming finishers, there are only two ways to go? It has to be something related to rugby for you in your case. Mm-hmm. For me, something related to broadcasting, or it's something that in no way is related to you. So yours could be, the prophecy, for example, which is in no way related to you, but it just sounds cool, yeah. or something um, rugby-related, like the scrum cap. They'd call it something <laughs> like cap. A, I don't know, the, the scrum the cap. The rolling mall. Oh, Charlie, come on now! You can't yeah, tell yeah, me we'll the have, rolling mall we'll isn't have, it? Well, well, yeah, we'll have a thing. We'll have a thing. Have you got a finisher then when you do it? Uh, what would mine be? Um, the fader drop would be what okay. I would call mine. Yes. My, but yours, you're big. You can do finishes on people. Yeah. I'm so small. Mine would be, do you remember like in SmackDown versus Raw and they just gave the Bellas that multiple slap where they would just slap people over and over You've again? You've not so, got the Bella slap. That would like be my be, finish. I feel like you'd be a real technical ref. I feel like you'd have some real technical submission moves. Oh, I, I did do jujitsu for about Here two you months. You're so, basically Kyle O'Reilly. You're basically Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah, I was 16 and they paired me with a 34-year-old who must have been about 17 stone of pure muscle. Needless to say, I didn't go back after two months. Anyway, let's take ourselves out of that cul-de-sac, get back to fantasy booking. Charlie's is coming up next week. I'm going to do mine now. I feel mine is not necessarily in the spirit of this because you gave me anyone I absolutely wanted. And where my mind kept coming back to was one wrestler I wanted to see get one more push. So okay. the money That's in the bank fun. match. Yeah. So we're going to go with this and you will tell me at the end whether it counts. I'm going to focus on the men's money in the bank. And for me, the money in the bank concept is normally all about elevating new talent. But what if it's not? What if for one year it's about giving a veteran wrestler the chance to have the send off they deserve. So that's my mindset. And mine is based in reality. So even though you said I could run wild, have anyone I wanted, I am going to focus on people at the moment in wrestling. Although if I can have anyone I want, I really want Jim Ross on commentary. So that's my little concession. You can have JR. 
Okay, so we're going to start with an edict from Adam Pierce, who says this year's Money in the Bank men's match is going to be the most extreme, innovative, acrobatic, and insane match ever. He wants action. He wants excitement. He wants value for money for fans who haven't been there for years. That's what he's going for. And every match he's putting together for Raw, SmackDown, and NXT will be between people who push the envelope in that way. And he's going to have a series of qualifying matches that will leave us with Ricochet, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, John Morrison, and Kofi Kingston. So we've got five people set there. And to determine the sixth participant, we're going to have a battle royale. And while this is going on, we're running those brilliant vignettes that WWE do where they focus on one match, one gimmick, in this case, a ladder match. And we're going to get Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon talking about the danger of ladder matches. Bret Hart as well. Edge, um, who is WWE champion at this point. We need to have that in mind. And Jeff Hardy as well. And we're going through all these vignettes and they're talking about the danger, the excitement. And then at one point in his promo, Jeff Hardy stops mid-sentence and is almost uncomfortable answering the questions because they're talking to him in the past tense. Jeff, what would you do in a ladder match? What would you love to see? What was your favorite moments? And he looks at the cameraman and says, you know, I'm not done yet. And he takes his mic off and he walks out of shop. And we start Raw the next week with a recap of that and then a backstage promo from Jeff Hardy. He's in a dimly lit room. Less is more with Jeff. And Jeff is talking to himself. He knows the camera's there, but he's not focused on it. He's sort of just talking to himself. And he said, like I said last week, I'm not done yet. And when I do go, I'm not going to fade away. I'm going out in a blaze of glory. And when I talk about ladder matches, I can still hear the crowd and I can still feel the rungs of the ladders in my grip I can still taste this and I want one more shot. So I'm entering tonight's Battle Royale. So Jeff Hardy enters a Battle Royale and wins it and becomes our sixth and final entrant to the Money in the Bank match. So Ricochet, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, John Morrison, Kofi Kingston and Jeff Hardy. And while Jeff Hardy's winning the Battle Royale, we're hearing from the commentators saying this is a more focused and more driven version of Jeff Hardy than ever but surely he's passed it. He can't compete with all these other fellas we've got in the match. So the next week on Raw, we see Jeff Hardy walking backstage where he encounters Edge, WWE champion, belt slung over his shoulder. And Edge looks Jeff up and down and they smile and they shake hands and Edge hugs Jeff. And Edge tells Jeff how great it is to see Hardy in the money in the bank match, but that these young stars are more extreme than he and Jeff ever were. And Jeff laughs and says, yeah, maybe so, but I've still got one big match left in me. And Edge turns serious and looks at Jeff and says, I know what it's like to have your career snatched away from you. And I want yours to end in a Hall of Fame induction and not a benefit at a bingo hall for a man who couldn't stop taking one more chance. And Jeff steps back from Edge and looks Edge in the eye and says, why should Edge be the only one who can live his dream one more time? Why can't Jeff do it as well? And Jeff walks off and Edge is looking down the corridor after him. And then we get to the final roar before Money in the Bank and we get a big six-man tag. Balor, Hardy, Ricochet on one side, Kingston, AJ and Morrison on the other and Edge is out there on commentary. And Edge is being complimentary to Jeff and sort of blowing off the tension. You know, we're old friends. We can talk to each other like that. But he keeps mentioning how he doesn't want Jeff to become a shadow of himself and how Jeff will always take that one chance too many. 
But the fans are behind Jeff. And as his team are about to get the win, Jeff tags in, goes for the Swanton, misses and gets rolled up for the loss. And Hardy's distraught and his teammates are frustrated. And Edge walks to ringside and looks over the apron and says to Jeff, not on camera, not on mic, just picked up by the ones at ringside. Jeff, this is what I mean. It's always one chance too many with you. And so by the time we get to Money in the Bank, we've got this doubt about whether Hardy's going to win. Will he take one chance too many? And we get madness. We get flips. We get kicks. We get everything you'd expect in this match. And Jeff Hardy climbs to the top of the ladder and sees Styles and Morrison on a table in prime Swanton position. And despite every temptation, Jeff Hardy doesn't hit the Swanton and grabs the briefcase instead. And now we're set for a Hardy versus Edge WWE title match where Edge goads Hardy about the fact the only way he was going to win a title shot is by the luck of the draw that's money in the bank. Hardy was finished. He was irrelevant without that briefcase. And Edge is going full heel now. Hardy says Edge is scared because when it comes to ladder matches, it was always Jeff and Edge that stole the show. But Jeff rose that little bit higher. And Edge is afraid that Jeff is going to steal Edge's fairy tale comeback. And Hardy announces his cash in ahead of time. He's doing it at SummerSlam and Hardy wants it to be a TLC match. And Edge says the only way he'll agree to put his body through the hell of TLC again is if Hardy puts up his career. And Jeff agrees to do it. And in Edge's mind, and as he points out, it's a mistake because yet again, Jeff Hardy has taken a chance he didn't need to by putting his career on the line. And we go to SummerSlam, title versus career, Edge versus Hardy, classic WWE build, amazing video packages for both. It's a main event. They put their bodies through hell. But at the end, it's Edge who wins to defeat Mr. Money in the Bank, Jeff Hardy, and send him into retirement. And that is how I would book Money in the Bank. I like that a lot. It's, a, it's very different to what I'm going to do next week. I'll tell you that for nothing. It's far <laughs> too realistic for where mine's going. Um, as soon as you said, I'm going to show you as you said, one man getting one more push, and it was a ladder match. I wrote this down at the top of my... Can you see that? Jeff Hardy. It had to go. be, didn't it? It had to be. Because also, I think anyone, and I, this, this gives you one of my competitors next week, anyone who's booking an all-time fantasy running the bank match or ladder match who doesn't have Jeff Hardy in it is kidding themselves because he's... I know there was the Shawn Michaels Razor Ramon match and there was the brilliant Jericho Edge... Um, not Jericho Edge. Who did Jericho... Jericho feud in 2008. Shawn Michaels and Shawn No Michaels, Mercy. Shawn again, yeah. yeah. Yes, like these, these great ones. So Shawn's been brilliant in like that was it. Well, that's what I was saying. Shawn across so long has been excellent, but Jeff is the MVP of ladder matches because what do you want in ladder matches? You want at the end of the ladder match, you want one spot that you remember. There always has to be one spot that you go away going, I can't believe it. And Jeff's the man to do that, isn't he? And I think you're right. How they handle the end of Jeff's career will be very, very interesting because he deserves that send-off, he deserves it. Because you, did you see, sorry, go back to real life again. Matt Hardy did an interview recently, didn't he? Where he said, I'd love to finish my career with my brother Jeff. And are we going to see him go across to AEW and let finish there? There's just so many questions around it. But at the end of the day, I know he's been out of it, but he's a WWE man, isn't he? And you want to see, he's not many people. He's up there with the likes of Foley for putting your body through the ringer for this business and for that company. So you want to see him give him the send-off. He says, were you tempted to give him the title in your fantasy booking? 
No, ne- never was. I-, I think Jeff Hardy is the type of person who he can lose that match and get the round of applause and go out on a high. But for, but for me, it's always about story. And as much as I enjoy Money in the Bank, I need a story to go with it. And I was trying to think how you could use that gimmick to do something different and make a bit of a change. So I was going with that. And actually, can we just say we're only a week or two past uh, the 19-year anniversary uh, of that hellacious ladder match on, on Raw undertaker versus jeff hardy and and we all think of tlc matches we all think of those when we think of great ladder matches for me that one between undertaker and jeff hardy on raw may be the perfect wrestling match may be that good and and one of jr's best on commentary one of jr's best i think that's what as much as high flyers are obviously synonymous with ladder matches and they are they're essential to ladder matches i actually think you'll see this in my book next week all the best ladder matches have a big man in it i yeah. think you need i think you have that big man to play off and there is there's one man who i think when it comes to money in the bank is the best at being the big man ladder match he'll be in my match next week but i do think also just a side note god i'd want to watch your money in the bank ladder match with those six <laughs> could you imagine they'd just be carnage just be craziness throughout wouldn't it I've always been intrigued by how they structure these matches because I've heard a few times, I think on Chris Jericho's podcast, he once had a conversation with, with the original folk who put together uh, the TLC matches at WrestleMania 17 and I think the forgotten one they had on SmackDown as well. And you just think, how do you put that together? How do you even, how does a mind conjure up what they're going to do? Also, how do you go, let's do this, knowing it's going to really, really hurt? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, let's do that. They're, they're, yeah. they're Brave, stupid, mental, whatever you want to say, but they're geniuses, aren't they? They are. So has my booking given you any cause for thought in changing your direction, or are you fairly set? Nah, I'm across all areas. Mine is mine ain't gonna have much story. Let's be honest here. Mine is just a match on a sea. Mine's gonna be a match on a sea with some people from all over the place and then some story after. I'll give you a bit of story on the who wins and who they cash in against, but nah, mine's mine's carnage, mate. All right, Russo. That's uh, that's what we're <laughs> saying to that. Um, right, okay. Late WCW. Yes, exactly. Late WCW. Put something on a pole. See if they can grab it alongside the briefcase. Uh, yours next week as well is what we'll be doing. Earning the Push podcast at Hotmail.com. Uh, Charlie underscore Beckett and Jack underscore Murley is the way we will do it. Uh, you can do any era, any competitors, men's money in the bank or women's money in the bank. Let your imagination run wild. We will love to read them out and bring them to you. Uh, don't forget, while you're getting in touch, rate and review and subscribe as well. And the best advertising for this podcast is by telling a mate. So if you enjoy wrestling and enjoy this, Uh, let them know what we do here we would love to have everyone along to this program we put together for you Uh, do not go anywhere we're taking our final break and after that something is getting a push and something is going back to developmental so stay right there Right, time for that part in the show where we remember that wrestling is just one part of our wide and varied life. There is much, much more going on in the world than wrestling, but you can always apply the terminology of the squared circle to everyday annoyances and victories. We send something we love to the moon by giving it a push and something we hate back to developmental. Uh, Charlie, what's yours going to be? I'm actually going a little bit serious this week, I'm afraid, because there has been a few things that I just, well, again, so minor, minor connected. So earning push is just our football team, the English football team. Yes, they came short the weekend, but 
I haven't seen a country this united behind a cause for a long, long time, especially with what the times we're living in. Uh, and those lads just make me proud to be a football fan, like what they stand for off the pitch, what they how they play. And yeah, they, they were 17 minutes away from winning or whatever it was. And I'm gutted they didn't. But I couldn't be prouder of them and being a fan of theirs and everything that goes with it. So huge push for the England football team. And I really, really, really hope this is the start of an exciting era of being an English football fan. But back to that mental is just the horrific abuse of the players after. Like, what the hell are we doing? What are we doing that we think, first of all, any player, I know what it's like to play in pressure. I know what it's like to play under pressure that those boys run at the weekend. I've never played in a game anywhere near as big as that. But I know what it's like to play when all you can think about is winning. And I know what it's like to make a mistake that costs your team the game. I've done it. And it's just the most heartbreaking thing. You cannot fathom how awful you feel. So to give anyone any abuse for that, when they're out there being braver than most of us ever will be able to and taking more pressure than any of us will ever probably be able to, don't give them any, don't give them any stick for that. But then to go after three black players who miss penalties rate, rate, with racist abuse, I just I can't fathom it. And it makes my blood boil talking about it. And I just, yeah, beyond back to developmental, that just needs to, what, what are we doing? I don't, I can't, I can't even talk about it without losing my words. It just, it saddens me, it sickens me. And I just, anyone doing it, I tweeted today, anyone who thought after that game, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick up my phone or go on my computer and type racist abuse at these players, you're below the lowest of the low, an absolute scum. And I can't say anything else about it. No, and, and look, I was going to have a light and frothy back to developmental about all oh, litter and people dropping litter. You can't do that this week. It's It's got to be, it, it, it eludes me the mindset of people who would, who you just, you cannot comprehend it. I cannot comprehend how anyone in that position would just do it. I just, it, it is beyond me. The only silver lining is, is you see, silver lining's the wrong word. You do see the strength of character of those lads and that they, they shouldn't have to show it. They shouldn't have to show their strength of character, but you see that they are made of iron. That, that's things like, they're kids. They're yeah. 23, 21 and 19. Yeah. They're kids, the three of them. Like yeah. what? It's just, yeah. And you know what? It will make them stronger, and they're they're incredibly strong individuals. All three of them, it seems. You see how they've conducted themselves on social media and the press since. They're incredible, but they shouldn't have to go through that, should they? It's just, and it, it's and it shouldn't just be them calling it out. It shouldn't just yeah. be them calling it out. And and everyone who sees that can be an ally and be uh, just a decent person and call it out and stop it. If you see it on social media, if it comes up in your feed, and I haven't had the same of what they've had, but I've had a little bit of it in my own way in my life. Don't amplify it by retweeting it. Don't don't share it. Block it. Report it. Get it off social media and back those boys because, wow, they deserve it. And they are going to do far more than the bigots and the haters who are trying to drag them down. So I'm 100% with you on that. I'm going to give a push to montages, to okay. the things we see in the build-up, to big sporting events. We had it for the Scotland game, the Wales game. We'll have had it for, for rugby matches you've been part of. We'll see it with the Olympics as well. The people who put together montages at the start and finish of big sporting events. I have spent many an evening going down YouTube rabbit holes watching these great sporting montages. I bet you have for the Istanbul game being a, being a Liverpool fan as well. And there's something special about a good sporting montage. 
Oh, they're amazing. I've said many a time in wrestling, WWE, the Kings of it, AEW did that great one last week for their pandemic era. Uh, but I, what, did you watch the game on BBC or ITV at the weekend? I, I am I am in my other life. I'm a BBC man. Of yes, course, I watched yes. it on the BBC. I watched it on BBC as well. Yeah. And they were they were very, very good, weren't they? Their montages getting getting into that. Like I just love it. I actually get excited at the thought of big events and like what the opening montage is going to be. They are they are so so good. And I would love to watch how they make them. Like how do they do they sit there going like, right, let's get this and this. I, it, it's an incredible art form. I, I do it for radio quite a lot, and you really get into the weeds because you sort of you have an idea and then you go out and you try and find what you've got and what you've got the rights to. And then you will spend, I'm not even joking, you'll spend an hour moving something by a second to the left, second to the right, a little bit louder, a little bit quieter. And then you you just sit and watch it or listen to it. And if it gets you in the gut, you hope it'll get your audience in the gut as well. But what an amazing job to have, whoever's doing that. And, and it really does... I mean, some of those WWE ones, you know, I think we all remember Shawn Michaels' retirement and Ric Flair's retirement. If you say leave the memories alone to any wrestling fan, they're going to be seeing that montage and hearing that music. Absolutely. And it's actually a huge part of the production of wrestling match. I think as well, like if you if you come cold into a pay-per-view, a good montage can get you so up for a match that you know nothing about. Uh, so they're, they're, it's a huge part of storytelling in wrestling, I think. Yeah, that um, My Way one as well for uh, The Rock and, and Steve Austin. I know that was ahead of your time, but I know you've gone and watched it oh, back. I've gone and watched that. Don't you yeah. worry. Don't you worry. Do you um do you have music like that in a changing room before you play your big games, by the way? Does someone so, have like a montage-esque playlist? Yeah, music in changing rooms is weird. You'll see some people sat with headphones on like we are now in their own in their own, ro- in their own zone, not listening to anything. You'll see some people just chatting and then there's normally music on in the background. Like There's normally a speaker with some sort of music on, but I think the days of huge pump-up music and rock and roll heavy are probably aren't there because I think I learned the hard way. You don't want to get too up for it too too early. You can get yourself yeah. emotionally exhausted. So there's there's normally like rap music, a bit of that sort of music, but like nothing too not not what you'd imagine probably. But like I maintain this: I will to die, I die. A changing room for a rugby game is the strangest place in the world. But everyone, everyone's different. You see people, and and there's one lad I play with. I won't use his name because it's none of else's business. But he's one of the most laid back people I've ever ever met in my life. And he will be laid back when we go out to warm up. Before we go to warm up, we still laughing and joking. He comes in from the warm up, and he goes and sits in his corner, and he just puts his towel over his head, a circa cane back in the day, <laughs> sits there for a minute, and no one speaks to him. And he comes up after a minute of having the towel, and he's a different person. And then he goes on the pitch and does his, it does what he has to. And it's the strangest thing. And you see, some people want to laugh and joke and be loud. Some people want to be quiet. Some want to listen to music. Some don't want music. Everyone's in a different zone. Everyone's different where they are elsewhere. And it's just, it's a very strange place to be. Well, that sounds like a gimmick, if ever I've heard one, for yes. the wrestler who's laid back till the towel goes over their head. Uh, right, we're going to bring this one home and take it to a close. Remember, more fantasy booking next week. Your fantasy money, money in the banks, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com, at Charlie underscore Beckett, at Jack underscore Murley. Uh, Charlie, coming out of the real money in the bank, pick me a winner that we will know by the time we're next on air. I know you're rolling your eyes. Give me one uh, for the men's, one for the women. Who's it going to be? Right, I'm going rogue. Ricochet is going to win the men's. And- what? What? 
Yeah, and Nikki Cross is going to win the women's. Okay, Ricochet and Nikki Cross. Uh, I am going for Alexa Bliss, and let's take Drew McIntyre in this as well. We will see by the next time we're all together. Remember, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your pods from. Tell a mate about us if you love wrestling. We want more people along for the journey. Until next time, on behalf of Charlie Beckett and myself, Jack Murley, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.